weak vessels to confound the strong. Lord, that you use the foolish things to confuse the wise. Lord, we're grateful that you love us. And that wherever we came from when we came into this building, Lord, and we all stand together and worship you, that we were loved, we are loved, and we will be loved, regardless of who we are, what we've done. Jesus, you love the poor and the powerless, and we find our strength in you. So God, I just pray that as we talk about our lives and as we consider the gifts that you've given us, that we would understand that everything that we are is from you. Jesus, every good thing that we have is from you. And so I just pray that you would help us to, to consider carefully what we have inside of us to give to the world, to make it a better place. Lord, I pray that you would help us to listen with open hearts and open minds and open ears in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Great highlights there, isn't there? I mean, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. What a great moment in sports in our history. And who, can, who could ever forget Michael Jordan jumping up in the air and, 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 and winning a game at, in the last shot? I mean, those are, those are great moments. And I wonder, and that's just a highlight reel, right? Highlight reel of some of the greatest sports things to ever occur in the last hundred years. Um, what if a highlight reel were made of your life? What, what would the soundtrack be like? What, what, how dramatic would it be? And what would be those great moments in your life? Some of you may be thinking, well, gee, you know, aren't a whole lot of great moments in my life. You know, when, when I say that, you, you can think of all the lowlights, right? You can, you can think of all the times that, that life was tough or that you failed. But, but, but here's, here's the deal. 
Um, we, we watch something like this and we think, yeah, those were great moments. But I'm telling you, there have been great moments in your life too. Um, there, there have been great moments in all of our life. Now, the world wouldn't say that they were that great, but God would say they're great. And, and what we're going to hear this morning is, is that there are things that God has given each of you and, and have given me. There are gifts that we all have that God wants us to use and, and invest in, in life, in the lives of others, which, which would be calculated in his mind, they would make the highlight reel of your life. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about this, the, the greatest, winning life by giving it away. And, and really, we're talking today about serving others. I mean, ultimately, ultimately when, we, when we think about the words of Jesus, he said that a lot, didn't he? Serve others, serve others. You know, um, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I always remember that when I'm standing at the very end of the, of the uh, food line at a, de- at a church carry-in. You know, I sort of, I don't know, make myself feel better by recognizing that those were who were first in line. They're going to be last in some other line somewhere. I don't know. You see, winning, winning we, we win at life by giving it away. And that's completely contrary to what the world would say. But, but, but that's what Jesus says. Um, that's how we become great. Adam, two weeks ago, he, he, he took us through the passage in the Bible that tells us to consider others as being better than us. Um, not something that's really popular in our culture today. Thinking about other people and not just myself. Um, that's how we become great, Jesus says. Humility, serving others, helping them, taking time with them. Uh, Matthew twenty twenty six through 28 says this, Not so with you, Jesus. Remember the disciples were kind of arguing over who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus is like, hey, look guys, you're not like the pagans. You're not like those other guys. You know, you don't, we don't live life that way. Jesus said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of many. Jesus was the ultimate example of that. In doing what had to be done in order to save us. Uh, and, then, and then what did we look at last week? Somebody tell me what we looked at last week. Somebody that was here, what did we talk about last week? Say it really loud. Have to be louder than that. God's will. We talked about God's will, and that we can definitively, definitively know what God's will is in our life. We can, we can do it. And those five things that we saw in Scripture, and there are others as well, uh, that we can do in our lives that are in no that that there's no doubt that they're in God's will. Um, the first one was repent and believe in Jesus. God doesn't want any of us to be lost. It is His will. It, it is His desire that that we be saved. That we that we repent and that we believe. Um, it's God's will. It says it in Scripture. Give thanks in all circumstances. Hard to do, but it's God's will that we, that we live our life that way. Do good works, Jesus said. Be sanctified and worship God. Doing those five things, if, we, if, if we're doing those five things in our life, that's His will. We're doing His will. And of course, we know that, that, that we also want to know, God, is it your will that I live in this town or that town? Is it your will whether I have this job or that job? And, and, and I believe that if, if we are working out the will of God in these five areas, that, that our relationship with Him will be close, uh, will be intimate in a sense, and we will uh, we'll know more of those answers as we live our life. We also talked about the fact that sometimes God says, hey, here's three options. And we say, well, which one do you want me to pick? And he's like, pick one. I don't care. 
You can do my will in Torrington. You can do my will in, in Minnesota. You can do my will in, in, a, in South Africa, as, as we looked at it last week. Okay, and then this morning, this morning, uh, we're, we're going to conclude this series by looking at, at, at an inspiring, I, I believe, it is an inspiring parable that Jesus tells. Uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 25. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 25, um, that would be great, and follow along. It will not be up on the screen. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can grab one out from underneath the seat in front of you, and it's page uh, 983, page 983, Matthew 25 is found on that page. Um, now, in verse 14, as, as you first look at Matthew uh, chapter 25 there, in verse 14, it, it begins with the word again. Again. Jesus says again. And we need to know in context of what Jesus is, is, is telling this parable. There's three parables that Jesus tells here. And, uh, and the first one is the parable of the twelve virgins. And what he's telling the disciples, the disciples had asked him, Jesus, what's it going to be like in the end? You know, when you come again. When, when all of this that we see and that we know is over, what's it going to be like in the end? Jesus, Jesus says, here's, here's something that you need to remember and that's important. You need to be ready. And he, he, gives, this, he gives this parable that illustrates people that are ready and people that aren't ready. And, and, and what he means there is, don't, don't come to the end of your life and not have put your faith and trust in me, in Jesus Christ. Um, whether that's him returning or us leaving... Okay, none of us are guaranteed another breath today. We need to be ready today. We need to be ready. We need to have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. He says, you need to be ready because I'm going to come again. Now, he also tells this next uh, parable, which we're going to be looking at today. He tells this to give us a clue as to how we're to live our lives when we're waiting for him to return or we're waiting to take our last breath. Okay, and, and Jesus doesn't want us to just sit around, you know, and, and, and sit on our hands and not do anything and sort of wait for that time. Jesus gives us something to do. He wants us to invest. And he, it's interesting that he uses a money illustration for this because uh, it, it's so true. It's, it's, it's investing ourselves. It's investing the gifts that God has given us to accrue interest, to grow now, there was a man out east, and he'd always dreamed of owning a cattle ranch. In fact, he'd always dreamed of owning a cattle ranch in Wyoming, and he finally saved up enough money that he was able to buy this ranch. He and his wife, they moved out here. Um, his best friend flew out to visit him um, after they got established, and, and his friend said, so what's the name of your ranch? You know, everybody's got a name for their ranch, right? And, and the guy said, well, that's kind of a funny story. He said, we, we talked about names, and we talked about names, and we talked about names, and we could never, we could never decide on what to call the ranch. So, so this is what we finally decided, we, we finally determined to call it. The Double R Lazy L Triple Horseshoe Bar 7 Lucky Diamond Ranch. Okay? Uh, now, his friend was really impressed with that name. I mean, it is kind of impressive, right? It would be a huge sign. Over the, over the thing. And the guy, his friend said, so where are all the cows? Where, where are all the cows? And, and, and the rancher replied, well, we had quite a few, but none of them survived the branding. <laughs> right? Could you imagine being a calf and pulling up to that chute and seeing that row of, uh, of branding irons? You know, sometimes it's that way with our gifts, I think. 
We, we either get all bogged down in, in, in what is it, and I've got to figure this out, that, that we're wasting this time and we're not actually doing anything. We're just trying to figure that out. Or we, we think we have all of these things or that we need to be involved in all of these things. There's a level of busyness that can occur in that as well. And, and we end up not surviving the branding of our servanthood. But, but I think for most of us, for most of us, the challenge is, is I know God has gifted me. What am I going to do with that gift? What am I doing to invest that gift into the kingdom of God today? Today. So let's, let's read this passage in Matthew chapter 2. Actually, before I do that, let's put the, that First Peter verse up, Roy. First um, Peter 4.10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I love that verse. It's great. It's difficult. It can be hard. Serving others. Serving others. Serving others. I think some people struggle with that more than others, maybe, for, for whatever reason. I mean, I, I had the opportunity to, to spend some time in the biker pit stop this week, and, and uh, Friday night I, I dropped in really quick uh, before heading out of town, and there were a couple bikers there, and 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 uh, one of the bikers was from Roswell, New Mexico. I've never met anybody from Roswell before, um, or at least I think he was from this planet. Um, and and I met a guy from Iceland. They were traveling together. The guy from Iceland had rented a bike in in Boulder and was traveling up. They did Sturgis when they were on their way back. And uh, so very brief. But but when I came in Saturday morning, they were still here. Um, they had slept in the trees up here in a tent and, and uh, you know, got to talking to them. And, and we got to talking about, oh, mercy, everything from politics to military to, to God. And, uh, you know, I don't ultimately know where the guy from Roswell is at, but, but a lot of the things that he was saying seemed a bit new agey to me. You know, he sort of, sort of believed this and there was this universe thing over here. And, 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 and you know, we, we talked about the Bible and, and I had that out on the table. And, but the guy from Iceland was seriously asking questions for understanding. And, and Julie uh, Massey shared with him a psalm and, and he was just, he was just, he was encouraged by that, and, and, and you could tell that, uh, that he, he was interested in that the wheels were turning and that, that, that he has decisions that he needs to make and that he's trying to find the answers. And I'm just praying that this friend of his from Roswell, New Mexico, doesn't lead him out of the, off the planet, right? And, and that he finds truth. Now, I asked this guy from, from uh, Roswell, I said, so what does this guy do? I mean, he flew here, he's on a bike, you know, what does he do for a living? How does he support his ability to travel the world. Because, I mean, these, both of these guys, they've been to Israel together, they've been to Egypt together, they've been in Africa. I mean, they've, they've traveled the world. The guy from Roswell just bought a bike so he could drive it to South America. Now, I don't doubt that he will. Um, well, he, he told me that this, this, this guy from, from Iceland was in a West Indies band and, and uh, he said, his, the band's name is on the back of, of my shirt, and I actually wrote it down, and then I Googled it, right? Because I wanted to, to find out if his story was true. And it was. Um, he's a bass guitar player in this, in this Icelandic West Indies band, and they've, they've produced three albums and some EPs, and, and, and so obviously he has some funding, but he didn't say anything about that. Not one time did he offer any, just a really humble guy. We talked about Iceland and 
where do the people how where did the people from Iceland come in? Well, they were Norwegian. Oh, really? I'm Swedish. And and then we got to talking about Lutefisk and Ustakaka and other things, and and uh, it was really cool, right? Um, but but here's this guy who's really searching. And had I not you know taken the time to spend some time at the biker pit stop, I never would have it. I'd never would have known him, and I would have never had the opportunity to share something about salvation with him. And, and we're all in that place. We, we all have gifts. We all have... Wow, it's noon already? Oh, no. Um, we all have gifts. Okay, here we go. This is the parable as Jesus tells it. Verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Bill uh, Brianville, pastor of Edgewood Baptist Church, gave a list that I read this week, what he called seven stewardship lessons. So I have essentially taken that... Um, that list, and I have, I have changed it into six investment strategies. Okay, six investment strategies. How to be great investors in the kingdom of God. Did anybody notice, was that an ambulance that went by? Let's just pause right now and pray. Lord, um, many of us know that there have been multiple accidents in the last week because of all the traffic and motorcycles. And um, Father, I, we don't know the severity, but Lord, I just pray now that you would... Uh, would watch over those responding, that those are, that are on scene, and, and whatever it is, Father, we pray um, that your power and your spirit would be there to uh, sustain life, to uh, provide good decisions for, for all who are there. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would put someone there who can be right there on the scene praying as well. In Christ's name, amen. All right, six things six things. First of all, we need to recognize that what we have is not ours. What we have is not ours. 
Uh, look at verse 14. It says, He called His servants and entrusted His property to them. To one He gave. What they had, He had given them. Okay, What you and I have, the breath that we have in our very lungs has been given to us by God. The, the, the children that we have have been given to us by God. The, the food that is on our plates every day has been given to us by God. All the things that we have have been given to us by God. And, and we need to live our life that way. We need to recognize that because if we don't, we begin to think and believe that it's all us. It's all me. It's my stuff. It's my money. They're my kids. But every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? God has given us all things, and we need to live our lives as if God has given us all things. And that is an, an incredible foundation to live our lives on. Our salvation in Christ comes from Him. We would not have it had He not come and died and offered it to us. So what we have is not ours. And the more we realize this and live this way, the better, the better investors into the kingdom we become. Um, y- y- have you ever got to spend somebody else's money? It's fun, isn't it? It's fun, isn't it? It's, it's like we've been giving this. We've been given this by God and, and, and we get to use it. We get to, we get to invest it. Okay, the second strategy we need to recognize is that we're given what we can handle. Uh, look at verse 15 there. One servant was given five talents, one servant was given two talents, and one servant was given one talent. They were all given a different amount. They were all given a different level of responsibility. Now, you know, Pastor Adam talks about how he wanted to be a basketball player, but he didn't have the giftedness to be that, right? Um, there are people that... They can't play basketball. They, all of us. There are things that we can't do. There are things that some of us try to do that we shouldn't do, right? Some of that is me and some of that is with age as I get older. But um, we all have different abilities, different gifts at, that are given to us by God. And that's exactly what is happening here. It's okay to be different. It's okay to not be able to do that. You know... There's, there's nothing that frustrates me more than somebody that thinks they're good at something and they're not, and they do everything in their power to become or do that thing to the detriment of other people around them. It's frustrating. Because it's like, why? Um, I don't have a specific illustration for that. It just is frustrating. Um, it, we're all different. Um, some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Paul talks about the kingdom of God, talks about the the family of God, the body of Christ, being what? Just like a physical body, a physical human body, with many parts, with all different kinds of functions. And, uh, you know, some of us in this room are hands. Some of us in this room are feet. Some of us in this room are are a head or maybe a nose. Some of us are a big nose, right? Um, You know, um, some of us in this room are a gallbladder. What does a gallbladder even do? I don't know, but I know that when you lose it, you have to change your diet, so it does something, but we never see it. I was in a meeting, a training this last week, and, and uh, with the Goshen County Transportation, and one of the, the, the bus mechanic guys was sitting at the table that I was eating lunch at, and somebody asked him a question. It was a really, it was a conversation about the shirts that the other mechanics were, are wearing, and he's like, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm, I'm low man on the totem pole. 
And, and, and as he said that, I could tell that he wasn't excited that he was the low man on the totem pole. And I looked across at the table at him and I said, you know what? That totem pole doesn't stand without you being the low man on it. People may not notice what you do every day, but if you don't do what you do, it all falls apart. I mean, we are all an important part of the body of Christ. And we have all been given a gift to use and to invest in our everyday life when it comes to the body of Christ. And we're given what we can handle. The third strategy we need to realize is that we must invest what we've been given. Now, it's one thing to have it. It's another thing to do something with it. If somebody gives you a million dollars, what are you going to do with it? Stuff it in your mattress at home? Why would you do that? Why would you... There's two bad things about that, I can tell. Number one, it's not going to be gaining interest, and even though the interest rate is really low right now, you put a million dollars in there, you know, 1%, 2% interest a year, that's a considerable amount of money. And number two, if you stuff it in your mattress, how are you going to sleep at night? It's going to be really uncomfortable. Right? I mean, it, it does nothing. And, and that's, that's why Jesus is using money in this illustration. Our gifts are the same way. If, if he gives us a gift and we know that we have it and we just sit on our hands, it's, number one, uncomfortable because we're sitting on our hands. And number two, it does nothing to further the kingdom of God. It, it's, it's sort of a useless gift. And as we see in the end, if we don't use our gifts, we will lose them. Um, look at verse 18. Um, well, first of all, look at verse, verse 16. Jesus tells, uh, tells us that the man who received five talents went at once. He went quickly, immediately. He, he had it in his hand. And he was like, all right, I'm going to do something with this. And, and he went out and, and he invested it, or however he put his money to work and he gained five more. The guy who got two talents did the same thing. He doubled his master's money. Now, it doesn't say that he quickly went, but he obviously worked at it because he accomplished it. And then verse 18 describes the different approach of the third servant. But it says, the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Okay, that was a common place for people to keep their valuables. They'd bury things under the ground to, the, the, so that people couldn't find them. My luck, I would bury it, and then I would lose the map or something, or I would forget where I put it. You ever put something someplace, and you say, well, I'm putting it in this place so I remember that it's there? <laughs> I do that all the time, and then I can't ever remember the place that I put it so that I would remember it's there. Um, Here's another uh, illustration that illustrates this point. Because Antonio's voice was high and squeaky, he did not make the tryouts for the Cremona Boys Choir. He wanted to to play music. He wanted to do something with music. Um, When he took violin lessons, the neighbors persuaded his parents to make him stop. Yet Antonio still wanted to make music. His friends gave him a hard time because his only talent was whittling. Now, I, I don't know if you can think of, of whittling as a talent, but, but he was good at it, and he got better at it. Okay, he got better at it. Really hard to concentrate, isn't it, when there's emergency vehicles going by. Um, in fact, his knack for whittling grew into a skill of carving. And his hobby became his craft. He was obviously gifted at this. Um, He worked patiently and faithfully, and by the time he died, he left over 1,500 violins 
each one bearing a label that read Antonio Stradivarius. They are the most sought-after violins in the world, and many of them sell for more than $100,000 each. Now, Antonio couldn't sing or play or preach or teach, but his responsibility was to use his ability. And he had a love for music, and his ability was whittling, carving. And instead of being frustrated because he couldn't play a violin or he couldn't sing, he continued to look for a way that he could invest his gift. And we have violins, I don't know how many have survived, um, but they're still making beautiful music today. Our potential, the potential that you have, is God's gift to you. He has given it to you. And the question then becomes, what am I going to do with what God has given me? Let's be great investors with what he has given us. Um, Zig Ziglar has said, you are the only person on earth who can use your ability. (laughs) It's true. You are the only one on earth who can use your ability. Are you going to use it? Are you going to invest it? Uh, A fourth strategy or truth that we need to recognize is that a day of accountability is coming. A day of accountability is coming. None of us want to be audited by the IRS, but if they determine it's necessary, it's going to happen. All of us are going to be audited by the Almighty. We will all stand before Him in the end and be judged. Um, All of us will have to give an account for how we've used what we've been given. Uh, Verse 19 says, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So it's going to happen either at the return of Christ or the day that you and I take our last breath, but we're going to appear before God. And we're going to be taken to account for what we have done with the life that he has given us. Uh, Romans chapter 14, verses 11 and 12 say this, It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. It was the duty of these servants to always bear in mind that the master would be returning. You know, he didn't give this to them as a gift. It wasn't a wage. It was something for them to care for and, and they took it upon themselves and knew that, that it was a blessing, it was a gift, and that they were to do something with it. First John two twenty eight says, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. That's how the first servant was. We're going to be held accountable for how we live and invested our lives for the kingdom of God. You know, the fifth strategy is this. Uh, What we do with what we have reveals our view of God. Okay, look at at verses, um, as we come to these verses 20 through 25, we see that the man who who had the five talents, he comes to Jesus and he says, says, um, how does it say it exactly? He says, see, I have gained five more. The, The word see means behold or look. Look, master, look what I have done. Isn't this awesome? You gave me this, and, and, and I invested it, and now I have this. And won't it be something when you and I are standing before God, and He's having us make an account, and, and we're able to look at Him and say, Lord, look, You gifted me with this, and this is how I invested it. We may never know the returns, but He does. And, and, and wouldn't it be something to hear those words? 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, notice he didn't say, well done, good and perfect servant. Because we're not. We're going to fail. We're going to struggle. Um, but, but he is forgiving and he has given us gifts and, and, and we are to use those. Um, and what we do with them reveals our view of God. This first servant, he served the master with zeal and joy. He knew something that the third servant obviously didn't. The second servant knew something that the third servant obviously didn't. You know, we too, uh, what we think of God will be revealed in how we live our life. Do we completely trust him? Or, or, or do we lack the, the willingness to maybe take a risk here and there because we're afraid that God might not come through for us? Do we, do we completely trust him? Have we surrendered in obedience? Do we realize that he is good? Or do we blame him when bad things happen in our life? The actions that we take in our lives today reveal the truth concerning these things. What, what is your view of God? And this third servant we see had a wrong view of the master. And his mind was made up. It seems, you know, he, he, he looked at him as someone who was hard and harsh. Even before he had received his talent, he had made a decision. Um, this, this master is hard and harsh instead of loving and gracious. A.W. Tozer was right when he said that what we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. If we view God as a tyrant, then we'll filter everything through that. And we'll live our lives as such. Some of you may be secretly angry with God because you think he did something or didn't do something that you thought he should. And that will affect your view of him. That will affect what you do with the gifts and talents that he has given you today and tomorrow. Your preconceived notions are keeping you from seeing him as a God of grace and mercy. And as a result, you refuse to serve him with what he's given you. Maybe you think he hasn't given you enough. And you're holding out. When we blame God, we end up burying our blessings. And a faulty view of God can only lead to excuses. Um, let's look at the differences between the two servants here who served and the one who, who took a dive, essentially. Um, this list, too, comes from Pastor Bill. I thought he said it very well. The first two were determined to make a profit. The third was determined to not take a loss. The first two were willing to work hard and take risks. The third took no risks. Is that how you're dealing with the gift that God has given you? The first two received the gift. The third, in reality, refused the gift. He didn't want it. He didn't figured he didn't ask for it. The first two wanted to advance the master's domain. The third had no interest in, in what mattered to the master. The first two viewed the money as an opportunity. The third guy saw it as a problem. Do you, do you view a gift that God gives you as an opportunity or do you view it as a problem, something that's going to make your life more difficult? Again, God isn't going to give, give us something that we can't handle. The first two allowed the master's gift to change their lives. The third refused to let the gift even touch his life. The first two invested, the other one wasted. The first two saw a blessing, the third guy saw a burden. And the first two knew the master, the third guy had no clue. He couldn't have. He couldn't have truly known the master. And that's why at the end of this parable, Jesus says, what he had was taken away from him and he'll be cast out to where there'll be 
gnashing of teeth. He did not know the master. The sixth and final strategy for being a great investor is recognizing that what we have we must use or what we have we will lose. It's true, right? Use it or lose it. You've heard that before. If you've ever tried to learn a foreign language, that's the case, right? You, can, you get so far and then if you don't speak it ever, you forget things. You, you lose it. I was in Mexico City for two and a half months and by the time I got home from Mexico City, I was fairly fluent in the present tense. Okay, I was one of those people that sounded really funny when I was talking in Spanish because I got all the verbs wrong, right? Um, you've talked to people like that. That's what happens. They don't know how to conjugate the verbs or, or what, you know, all of that stuff. I can't even say the word. Um, so I was fairly fluent and, and when I came home, I tried, you know, we had some, some guys from Mexico that worked on our farm sometimes and I tried to rub shoulders with them as often as I could so I could talk to them. And I, I felt kind of goofy doing it, right? You know, trying to speak in Spanish. And, and, and I tried to maintain my vocabulary, but I eventually lost it. And I mean, if I went to Mexico now, I could maybe ask where the bathroom is and a couple other things. Um, but I wouldn't be able to think in Spanish like you need to finally get. I talked to a guy a few days ago. Um, well, Brian, he's from Honduras. And he was asking me a question. And I'm like, I didn't know if I wasn't hearing him correctly and, and, and Sarah was sitting with me and she heard him. He was like talking in Spanish and I don't think he even knew that he was, that he wasn't translating it into English. And my Sarah, I guess, somehow they, the words sounded enough like something and she figured out what he was asking and she told him. So I, I still don't know what he said, but you know, we need to get to the point where, where we're thinking that way. What, what we have, we must use or what we have, we will lose. Sometimes our not using our giftedness is because we're lazy. We just don't want to. Maybe we don't see the value in it or, you know, we're, we've gotten into this religious state of living our life and the things that we do are just the things that we do. There's no purpose or reason or calling behind them. You know, our culture, I think, is, is becoming increasingly slothful in how it operates. You know, I, I know more, I would say, young people, uh, people in their late 20s and early 30s who are living with their parents today than I did 15 years ago. And, and I, I, I get the fact that there's extenuating circumstances and there's things like that, but sometimes it's just they just don't want to do anything else. They just want to, you know, mom and dad to feed them and clothe them and, and, and they do nothing. And the unfortunate thing is that God has given them gifts. God has given them talents. And they could be using those. They could be investing their life into our culture. And for whatever reason, they're not... You know, Nintendo, I read that Nintendo at one time was looking to hire 50 people for a summer at a wage of $100 a day to play computer games. That's all they had to do all day long was play computer games. Now, some of you young kids are going, hey, I'd take that job, right? Um, or, or, so it could be laziness, or it could be the opposite. Um, I think the opposite is just as destructive. Um, we aren't lazy at all, but we're scheduled to the nines, and there is no room for us to do anything but what we're just trying to accomplish for our own personal self. There's no room in there to, to serve 
uh, to use those talents in investing in the kingdom of God. Um, either way, it's, it's, I, it's extremely dangerous to our spiritual lives. Both can cause us to think that we can put something off until later. You know, I'll, I'll take care of this later. I'll do this later. You know, young people, they're going to live forever, right? They don't think about the end of their life. Well, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to sow my wild oats. I'm just going to live it up. And then, you know, after four years or whatever, you know, and I get a job and I get married, then I'll settle down. Then I'll, then I'll think seriously about, about who I am and who God is and whether I believe in Him or not. The problem with that is that college student doesn't know if they're going to live to get married. We don't know how long we're going to live our life, and we just can't live our life that way. You know, Proverbs 10.5 says, He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. There's a time to use our gifts, and God has put it before us. Hebrews 6.11 and 12, We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Because the third guy did not use what he had been given, he lost it. It was taken away from him. Take the talent from him, verse 28, Jesus says, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. And I, part of me says, why didn't he give it to the guy that had only four? Because then he would have more. Well, it's because the guy that had ten already showed himself extremely faithful with a great amount of responsibility. And so it was an easy give. And, and I found that to be, in, be true in my own life as I use the gifts and talents that God has given me every day, just like Antonio did, um, you know, um, crafting them, working on them, trying to get better at it. I see in my own life God gives me increasingly amounts of responsibility, puts me in, in situations that, that, you know, 15 years ago I would have crumbled and had a nervous breakdown over. He, he gives it to me now because he's brought me to a point where I'm mature enough to handle it as I've used my gifts and my talents, investing into the kingdom of God. So serving others as if they are better than ourselves, we can use those talents and gifts to do that. We can develop those gifts, compound them. They will multiply. But we've got to get off our hands. We've got to invest. So what we have is not ours. We're given what we can handle. We must invest what we've been given. A day of accountability is coming. What we do with what we have reveals our view of God. And what we have, we must use. Or what we have, we will lose. If you ever watch the Antique Roadshow, I don't watch it much anymore because it's not very exciting. Um, and, and I don't even know where that channel is anymore. It used to be, you know, Channel 13, public television. Of the four channels that we got, it was one of them. Um, but there are other shows like that where people bring stuff in, you know, and, and they think it's worth something or they're not sure if it's worth anything. And oftentimes... Uh, you know, one of the shows I watched, the guy brought in a Monet, right? And, and he'd actually paid some pretty good money for this Monet. He'd invested in it. And they had their experts look at it, and they're like, um, hate to break it to you, but it's, it's fake. It's an imitation. And, and oftentimes people, you know, well-to-do people that I think they have really good and expensive stuff, they bring it into Antique Roadshow, and they find out that it's really, you know, it's just really not worth anything. And then you have those people who have the little 
little tiny trinkets, you know, and, and they bring it there and they're all smiling and everything because they're just happy to be on TV. They're happy to, that they got on the antique road show and then they find out that it's really worth something. See, I think that's where you and I are at. You know, in our humility, we have this thing that, that we might have an inclination that it's a gift that God has given it to us. And, but, but, but we have been convinced by the enemy that it's not worth anything. And that it really wouldn't do any good to show it to anybody or, or use it because it's not going to do much. That it wouldn't make a highlight reel. That, that maybe it might even end up on ESPN's not top ten, not the top ten. But the reality is that every one of us in this room have been given gifts and, and Jesus wants us to invest those and that is how we become great. Not in the world's eyes, not in your husband or your wife's eye, not in your children's eye, but in God's eye. Taking what he has given us and being faithful with it and investing it. Every day. So our challenge here this morning, I, I, again, I, I said I find this really inspiring and I, I did a reading plan over this parable. I read it every day for two weeks and, and I've been thinking about it for a long time. Are you investing your life? Uh, better, uh, uh, the first question is, what are you investing your life in? Is it just more money? Is it just a more comfortable living? Is it, is it for that boat or that new car or whatever? And I'm not saying those are bad things to have as goals. As long as you're investing your life in the things that God wants you to invest your life in. Those kind of investments change lives for eternity. Those kinds of investments strengthen the body of Christ. It's a challenge. They're sacrificial, yes. But God has given them to us. Let's be great investors and let's invest them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are a good master. And Lord, as your servants, I pray that we are good servants. And in our imperfectness, that we would be faithful in, um, on a daily basis seeking to serve you, uh, be obedient to you, and to invest the gifts that you've given us. Lord, if, there are any, if there's anybody here today who, who uh, they're like that third servant, they just have no relationship with you, Father, I pray that, that they would see that surrendering their life to you, that, that, that uh, believing in, in Jesus, putting their faith and trust in you is the place to start. Lord, you, you think we're worth something. You sacrificed your life for us. And Lord, you, you want to use us in, in making life good. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged by this message. I pray that you would help us to be inspired by the fact that we have a gift and, and that we can, we can please you, not earn our way to salvation in heaven, but we can, we can please you by using that gift in our family, in our church, in our community, in the world. Oh, thank you, God, for, for life. Help us to be great investors. In Jesus' name, amen.